Hi, this is the Robberator, and you can support my mad grab for power and the Sword and Laser podcast by going to patreon.com slash sword and laser. Hey everyone, welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and awesome discussions from fans just like you. Thank you for joining us. We are a very serious podcast about serious things, which is, which why, is why I use this serious voice. <laughs> oh, I love Serious Tom. Serious Tom, are you drinking some serious drinks tonight? As a matter of fact, I am. I'm glad you asked, Veronica. I'm having a Sangiovese. Mantapulciano. <laughs> Grazie. Uh, it's a uh, Antinori Pian de la Vigne. Ving? 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 How do you say V-I-G-N? Vigne. 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 Uh, Brunello di Mantocino, 2010. I don't know how to say 2010 in Italian. Uh, <laughs> it is very good. That is what I, I would say about I, I saw I saw Montalcino and I thought it was Mont Mont anyway a different wine. Molto bello. <laughs> I'm drinking uh, a wine called A to Z 2014 Pinot Noir from Oregon. Ooh, how do you say that in Oregonese? Um, I don't know. I um, uh, you, say, do you want donuts with that? Is the A to Z sustainably? I was trying to make a Portland joke with donuts. I, yeah, I don't think, no, I don't think anyone and, got it. I went like hipster, but I got it. Donuts, hipster. I hipster mean, really, donuts. where I mean, hipster donuts are kind of my thing. So for reals. Anyway, um, so actually, I wanted to pause for a second. I was going to save this for Barrier Sword coming later in the episode, but I think it's actually a lot more appropriate for the what are we mm. drinking segment. All uh, right. Over on Twitter, Alex posted. At Sword and Laser at half speed is as if the what are you drinking section got out of control. And I think everybody should take a listen. Bread. But it's tough. There's no doubt about that. Tom, how many times have I told you stop picking torture porn? <laughs> just like oh, we've had all right well now with that out of the way uh that was amazing let's jump into the quick burns handmade sale is back if you need a reason to get depressed about the <laughs> no. state of a fictional world go check out handmade Tale, returning april 25th to hulu actually the new trailer i feel is kind of deceptive but is full of hope well, deceptive why? Because the full of hope. <laughs> oh, oh. I see. I have a feeling things aren't going to go as smoothly as this trailer would imply. Uh, where I mean, basically, I, I don't. I, it's a, spoiler culture. So weird. It's not a spoiler to tell you how a trailer ends, is it? Uh, I end, haven't seen the first season. I mean, I don't know if that at the matters? end of the trailer she says, "I'm free." I don't think she's going to be free. I'm just yeah. Saying. That just seems e- too easy. Even just kind of what I know about the book and yeah. the and the show, uh, I, I think I probably agree with you mm-hmm. on, on that particular matter. Um, yeah, I haven't seen the first season. I, I for for the very specific reason that I 
don't need more <laughs> sad shit sanity. in my life. <laughs> it's really good. It's really good. I know, I know, you, you, I know. Un- unfortunately, you can't binge it. Like, you really need to space it out because it's heavy, but it's really good. All right. Well, something I am also very excited about, uh, the trailers and the air date for the BBC's TD- TV adaptation of China Mieville's The City and the City begins on Friday, the 6th of April on BBC Two over in the UK. And I am super excited about this. How can we watch it in the States? Is that going to be possible? I imagine it will come here eventually. I haven't seen where uh, it will come. Uh, a lot of times with stuff like this, it just you know it takes six months and then it shows up on AMC or BBC America or PBS or something like that. Keep an eye out for that. Um, actually, I was uh, I found out about this through. Uh, I mean, we I I think we had talked about this on previous episodes, but I was reminded actually just today because Mike Cole, um, our author friend who is wonderful over on Twitter, uh, posted a tweet about it, and he said that he also wanted to see uh, you know what other China Mieville adaptations he would want to uh, see come to television, and I was saying I'm super glad that. <laughs> That it wasn't Perdido Street Station uh, that was coming to TV right now, because that would be terrifying. (laughs) I haven't read City in the City, and watching the trailer made it look really good. Watching the second trailer, which isn't a trailer, but a tourist advisory, made me even more interested to read the book. Uh, Because I I knew it was about two cities that occupy the same place in space mm-hmm. uh but they're they're intertwined i didn't realize the whole like you you're not allowed to see uh yeah. and it's and it's enforceable by law and all of that that which which that's in the they have a tourist advisory video that's like when you're visiting borsch or whatever what's it brosh i can't remember mm. how to say it properly but when you're visiting here remember you can't see the other city and by that we mean don't see the other city <laughs> like oh okay this is interesting yeah, um, I feel like I've tried to explain how it it's works to, explain, to yeah. you before. Um, no, I know you have. Yeah, it's pretty complicated. But Mike says that he it's a toss-up between The City and the City and The Scar for his favorite China Mieville book. Uh, so he's very excited to see this come to the screen. Um, but there's, yeah, I haven't read The Scar. Uh, Perdido Street Station is is one of my favorite books, but it's, it's very uncomfortable and, and kind of spooky scary to me. Um, but you know, my, my limits are very different than most people's, so maybe it would be fine. Uh, I've only read I'm, Rail C. I have not read Rail C. Weird. So. How'd that happen? We're all out of Mieville's sink, Tom. How did that happen? I don't see the books you've read. They don't <laughs> exist. I can't look at them. Yeah. Mark says the nominees for the 2018 Audio Awards for uh, audiobooks published in 2017 are up, and the list has many categories. There is one sword and laser pick and several authors of past picks up for awards. For fantasy, we have The Strange Case of the Alchemist's Daughter by Theodora Goss. Uh, Also, also, uh, Catherine M. Valenti is nominated for The Refrigerator Monologues. And for science fiction, we have Provenance by Anne Leckie. The Stone Sky by N.K. Jemison and New York 2140 by Kim Stanley Robinson. And Red Sister by Mark Lawrence is also nominated in the fantasy category. So why can't he get a break during Sword and Laser March Madness, people? This is according to Mark. Yeah. <laughs> who is not, it's not Mark who Lawrence. Who is not Mark Different Lawrence, Mark. by yeah. the way. I should clarify. This is just not a, the author. Just a fan. 
Just another yeah. just another mark out there in the world. These Audi Award nominees are, are vast. I mean, the categories go on and on. Uh, young listeners to age eight, young adult, short stories and collections, romance, paranormal, original work, narration by the author or authors, nonfiction. Like uh, science fiction is the X-Files cold cases. Provenance by Anne Leckie, The Stone Sky by N.K. Jemison, New York 2140 by Kim Stanley Robinson, and Battlefront 2 Inferno Squad by Christy Golden. Oh, okay. Yeah. What would be your your top pick for, for audiobook for you? Pilot so, X. Okay, that's a little, you're doing a little Mark, <laughs> it's mark just, action here. It's just good. It's just really, I mean, the book's okay, but the reading's really good. I didn't read it, just in case you know. Who did read uh, it? Um... Now I'm gonna feel. Now you're just gonna make me feel bad. Okay, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Um, I would say, gosh, there were so many good ones that I listened to this year. I I have no idea how I would pick. You know, actually, this is kind of a Mark Mark situation, which I'm gonna call it that now. By the way, even though it was not Mark Lawrence who suggested that Mark Lawrence should have been a Sword and Laser March Madness pick, um. I really loved An Unattractive Vampire by Jim McDonnell, who was a Sword and Laser Ink Shares author. Ah. And that audiobook, I, which was narrated by Drew Campbell, was really one of the, I don't want to say surprise pick, but I mean, it's going up against a ton of like really established authors and narrators that have you know been around for years. But for me, yeah, that was one of my personal favorites that I read in the last year. Kevin T. Collins is the person who narrated Pilot X. Awesome. And I remember you telling me about how how awesome it was. I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet. Uh, The fantasy titles are The Strange Case of the Alchemist's Daughter, Spellmonger, The Spellmonger series by Terry Mancor, Snake Eyes by John Conroe, Skull Sorn by Brian Stavely, Refrigerator Monologues, and Red Sister, of course. Awesome. And then John Nevitz said, I guess it's not a sure thing, but it looks like Amazon is trying to make the Three Body Problem trilogy into a big budget TV series. Could be interesting, but with the Chinese roots so ingrained in this franchise, I really hope they treat it right instead of just making a cool movie off of a hot book. I guess I'm saying I hope it's more Black Panther or House of the Flying Daggers than Ghost in the Shell. And then he goes on to say, Edit, sort of. I actually meant to put Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon instead of House of the Flying Daggers, but on doing a quick refresher on the production on each, I sort of think I like House of the Flying Daggers reference better. It was more of a fully Chinese product than Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Okay. Um, All right. That was very thorough. Thank you, John. So in other words, you want it to be good. (laughs) (laughs) He wants it to be good. He wants it to be be good, good, but he wants it to be authentic also. Not bad. Well- I I mean, I think authentic probably makes it good, but would you want it to be authentic and bad or inauthentic and good? Well, I think he's also saying he doesn't want it to be whitewashed. Well, I'm just saying, if it was whitewashed and really good, would you like it better than if it was not whitewashed and really bad? I'm not I'm not giving an answer when I say that. I'm just curious. Like I think, and my answer to this would be like, I don't think it can be whitewashed and be good because that takes away from it. But I'm more concerned that something is really good. I think if something was really good and whitewashed, I think it would forever have to suffer under the weight of what if you didn't whitewash it, how much better would it be? 
It depends. And I think that would be a valid, that would be an absolutely valid question to ask because I think you should always be as true to the source material as you can, especially if it's telling a quintessentially story about the people that were featured in the book. But that makes it bad. That doesn't make it bad. No, what I'm saying is, what you're saying is whitewashed will make it bad. I'm saying whitewash will always do a discredit to the original work. So it can't be good. So I, I, I'm, I'm creating, I'm creating the shortcut that's like, yeah, so given that makes it bad, let's just hope for a really good movie. How about not bad? How about a real shitty move? Just a shitty move. I mean, I guess it- Just a lazy, I'm, probably shitty move. I think it's probably impossible for you to, to, to whitewash and make it good these days, but there are things that are done now that will be considered the equivalent of that in the future that are considered good. It's all about context and enjoyment. But honestly, that's not are even my best point. Are you talking about how right now we have animated dogs that are in movies and someday <laughs> we'll actually have dogs in movies? Yes. Why not cast a real dog? Is that what Wes you're referencing? Anderson. No, okay. that's not what I'm saying. Uh, what, what I am saying is... I, I think I think w- when you when you you say I don't want whitewashing, say that. When you say you want a good movie, say that. And I think that one, I, I think it'd be really difficult to make a, a movie that you would think is good if it was whitewashed, because that would take away from it. Yeah, I agree with you. Again, I think these conversations are hard, and that one guy is going to write an email saying that I was too. Whatever he said last time. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember. <laughs> I instantly forgot. Hey, here's something that's really important. Uh, and, and it was alluded to by our poster. The Financial Times reported that Amazon wants to earmark a billion dollars in order to acquire the rights. So this is not even a done deal. Like this is Amazon's like, you know what? We should set aside a billion dollars to acquire the rights to three body problem. Get on that. Three body problem may be like, mm, we're not telling it to you. We're a, telling it to somebody else. With a B? Yes, one billion. A That's what the Financial Times dollars? says. Yeah. Are they getting the entire population of China to be in the TV series? <laughs> That's what this Medium Post says. The Financial Times reported yesterday that the American Video Subscription Service will likely earmark a billion dollars in order to acquire the rights to the extremely popular trilogy. I mean... It's a medium post. Maybe they got to be wrong, or maybe the billion is for acquiring the rights and producing, right? That okay. would make more sense. And like the, the the estimate of what it would cost to produce this entire... Anyway, we're, we've yeah, gone too far down makes, this rabbit hole. That makes hole. more sense. All right. Let's let's uh, let's jump into... Um, uh, what part are we talking about? Barrier Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. I scrolled too far down on our show notes doc. Uh, Lauren says, uh, posted this in Quick Burns, though. It's not news, so it's, yeah. What? Well, well okay, Lauren, let me, let me handle this. So Lauren posted this okay. in Quick Burns, and admittedly, Lauren said, I know this isn't news, but I didn't know about it, so I'm posting it here. Eh, technically, don't post it to Quick Burns if it's not news. Uh, but Lauren's right. It's really interesting. Uh, Nisi Shawl 
wrote a crash course in the history of black science fiction. It's from 2016. Uh, Lauren says, I couldn't find it in past QuickBurn threads, but I just discovered it and thought it was a great resource for folks who are looking for inspiration for more diverse authors to read. There are plenty of books on here I've never heard of, and a whole bunch of these went immediately to my TBR list. One reason why you want to post this in a separate thread in Goodreads is I bet a lot of people have thoughts and ideas about this, which in the QuickBurns thread is not appropriate. Uh, And I think this looks like a really interesting resource. I agree. Awesome. Yeah, there's tons of great authors here. So definitely check this list out. And I think, yeah, totally. Just make a whole new discussion about it. There's plenty of room for for all sorts of threads over yeah. in the in the general channel. Yeah, don't feel like it's going to get missed because it's not in quick burns. And this goes, I mean, th- these recommendations go back to 1859. Martin R. Delaney uh, is often cited as the first African-American science fiction novel uh, with Blake or the Huts of America. Uh, although Martin Delaney lived in England at the time it was published. Uh, it's about a slave revolt with hints at the utopia that may follow. So it's in that utopian fiction kind of early science fiction genre, which some people are like, well, that's utopian. But I'm like, eh, broadly speaking, utopian fiction is imagining a world. Maybe it's fantasy. I don't know. But uh, in- interesting stuff here. It's not just going to be modern authors. Awesome. And we have a thread uh, from Stephen who says, changing taste in authors. Recently, I noticed my reading interests have changed, where I mostly buy and read books by female authors. I started thinking about this because my wife and I were at Barnes & Noble, and I came home with Binti by Nettie Korafor and Radiance by Catherine M. Valenti. I started to look through the last 60 books and graphic novels I've read, and I've read more female authors than male authors. Has this happened to anyone else? Is this because of Sword and Laser? Have my tastes changed with age? Is LaFar Burton's podcast an influence? (laughs) Thank you, Sword and Laser, for introducing me to new authors. Uh, What I love about this post is that he attributes it to us. Uh, We (laughs) work very hard to provide a wide variety of authors uh, we we do try to pay attention to make sure it's not all male or all female, uh, but we also try to make sure it's not all from the 2000s or all from the 70s or, you know, mm-hmm. or all a certain type of author, or all a certain type of story. Uh, and, and so the idea is to introduce you to new stuff. If if you're finding that you're uh, buying more female authors, ask yourself, did you think it was odd when you were buying more male authors? Like maybe it has nothing to do with uh, anything, but these are good stories. And thankfully, there's just more female authors out there. So roll of the dice when you're going for good stories. You're just as likely to find a female author behind it as you are a male author, unlike it used to be. Absolutely. And I think that's awesome. And also, this also makes me realize I haven't listened to LaVar's new podcast yet i guess it's not really new at this point but i think i have to add that to my to my to listen list over on overcast i'm excited about that we also had a thread uh by some guy named tom called other book podcasts uh he says this guy says hey a science fiction author friend of mine just asked me what podcast besides sword and laser obviously he should look at to try to go on and talk about his books do you all know of any good good podcasts that do author interviews. Actually, this guy doesn't seem like a very good speller. So he wrote any really God podcasts that do author interviews. I think that's kind of, we don't usually call out the mis, the typos. Well, I'm just saying, I mean, it it could be misinterpreted because I, 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 it's very different to talk about other good book podcasts versus other God podcasts. I think you calling it out could be misinterpreted as aggressive. Aggressive, aggressive, and maybe a little mean. Yeah, yeah, mm, mean. Okay, um, I can say that. 
Yeah. So Tom goes on to say, I, I promise I won't consider it cheating on us, which is, you know, it makes me feel good that that um, a fan of the show like feels that strongly about the community of Sword and Laser that they would refer to it as us. Um, can't speak for Veronica. Kind of okay. I've taken I've taken this joke to its logical end. Uh, any suggestions would help. Um, so you guys out there had some great, amazing suggestions. Uh, Aki says Geek's Guide to the Galaxy is a fantastic one. The Once and Feature podcast is pretty decent, too. Oh, Reading Glasses is is mentioned by Amy here, uh, which is a, a podcast that's fantastic. Uh, Myrtle Lafferty's I Should Be Writing is on there. And then uh, Turf Kristen says there's also Cooking with Books with Fran Wild. Uh, her latest episode was with Scalzi. Fran actually says that we should come on the show sometime. So I'm going to hold her to that. Oh, um, yeah. That, I think that'd that, be really fun. That sounds that sounds fantastic. And uh, by the way, the person who asked me about other podcasts uh, said this thread was extraordinarily helpful. Got lots of ideas from it. And also is going to be on our show doing an interview with us. That was how it started. It's like, hey, can I be on your show? Also, what other show should I go on? Uh, <laughs> and that's where this started. So Brian McClellan, I outed him. It was him, uh, is going to be on the show on May 9th. Yay! We haven't done an author interview in a while, so that will be fun. I'm excited yeah. about that. And also, um, a little bit of a, a shout out to our, our very own Jenny, who has a podcast of her own called Reading Envy. And mm -hmm. Jenny on Goodreads, Jenny Colvin, is by far the most prolific Goodreads reviewer of anybody I know. And I'm friends with Felicia, who is also the fastest reader that I previously knew before I knew Jenny. <laughs> and between the two of them, I'm pretty sure they've read every book ever. And yeah, Jenny spends a lot of time reviewing and, and reading books and talking about them on Reading Envy. So check it out. Yeah, that's uh, uh, probably a better show than ours. <laughs> hey, all right. Well, I'm I'm just because I'm not on my game tonight, Tom. You don't have to rub it <laughs> in my not, face. No, okay? it wasn't about you. But this is a team effort here. Don't don't <sighs> get me wrong. Uh, hey, I'm just saying there are a lot of really good shows out there, so go check them out. Yes, and speaking of other podcasts, actually, I wanted to take a moment to play a trailer for a podcast called Flash Forward. Um, I could try to actually explain it to you, but frankly, I probably wouldn't do it justice. The trailer is just too good. So I'll let Rose take it from here. Hi, I'm Rose Eveleth, and I'm here to talk to you about the future. Have you ever wondered whether an evil corporation could put up enough wind turbines to actually change the climate on Earth? Or how bad it would really be if all of the bees died? Or what it would take for us to all just abandon the internet? No? Well, I have. And I made a whole podcast about those kinds of questions. It's called Flash Forward, and it's a show where I talk to experts around the world about possible and not-so-possible future scenarios. I don't want to go to space in a spaceship. I want to be a spaceship. There are actually a couple different theories as to Beyonce being a clone. And a lawnmower. Individual humans are easy to exterminate. We are squishy. A new apocalyptic cult. There isn't another drug anymore. Have you been low gravity hiking before? We would surely have a constitutional crisis. And a subterranean vehicle. But if you were there in a submarine, you could see underwater explosions with steam and flashes of lava and heat and it'd look really cool. And a genderless spiral of wheels going through space going to have to be going into the stall 
with a giant Q-tip every day. It's not all jetpacks, people. It's not all jetpacks. <laughs> Flash Forward returns with brand new episodes this spring. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you in the future. That sounds awesome. Fourth season. That is amazing. That's pretty rad. Yeah, yeah. she's had a lot of great people on there. And it, it kind of actually reminds me of Fact or Fictional. I don't oh, know if you yeah. remember that show that I used yeah, to yeah. do uh-huh. over at Rev3. Um, similar, not not the same concept, but similar kind of ideas of like really playing with what's possible mm-hmm. and and diving into that world. So I think that's that's going to be a fun one. And we 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 thought we would have some synchronicity between our audiences um, because you know I know I know what you folks out there are into, and I think it'll be fun to kind of take those conversations about what happens in sci-fi and fantasy and and take them to their logical end by actually talking to the experts. Yeah, it sounds like they have a lot of fun, too. Totally. All right. Well, it is time for our book of the month discussion. And before we kick off our wrap up of An Unkindness of Ghosts by River Solomon, we should talk about the March Madness polls and the what has become of, of all our fantastic votes. Yeah. So for the first time, we allowed laser books in uh, because this is a fantasy month. Uh, we usually, you know, just alternate and because there's an even number of months in the year. It's always about the same. Uh, but for the first time, a science fiction book won. Uh, first time in first time winner. We are Legion. We are Bob by Dennis E. Taylor is the winner. Uh, fairly handily beating Gail Carriger's Solace who had just squeaked by Brandon Sanderson's The Way of Kings by two votes in the semifinal for fantasy. Uh, This was really fun. It's always fun, but it was like super fun to just watch this happen. I wish you guys could see the votes as they're happening. We don't let people see that because it can gamify it. It can make Mm -hmm. people change their votes and try to, you know, affect the results. Uh, So I was trying to go into the threads and vaguely say like one of the matches is within two votes and, and stuff like that to to convey the excitement of watching this. But yeah, there were some squeakers here uh, and some upsets. I actually was surprised that Dennessy e. Taylor upset Ian Banks consider Phlebas in the semifinals. What was the? There was one that was off by like two, wasn't it? That was, was Solus and Way of Kings. Yeah, Solus and Way of Kings. That's the one I just mentioned. Yeah. And so we didn't. Um, Tom and I. I, I mean, uh, I don't think Tom, you didn't vote at all, right? I never voted, not once. No. And I voted in the first round, and that was the last time I ever voted, um, because we started seeing that things were getting very close, and I didn't want to have an impact on that, and so I stopped voting. Um, and maybe we would have been able to do a tiebreaker, but it didn't need to come to that because the audience themselves were able to reach a final decision. And I'm I'm excited. I, I think we should note, too, that we are, you know, if you want to read Soulless, like, feel free to to read that as an alt pick um, or as a joint pick. They're actually both books are relatively short. One person was very upset at the idea of joint picks. They're like, somebody wins. They should win. So it's not I, a joint pick. It's an yeah, alt pick. I feel like we the pick for the month is we are Legion. We are Bob. But. I'm reading Solace by Gail Carriger because I want to, and I haven't yet, even though I know you have, Veronica. Mm-hmm. So if you would like to read along with me, I'm not going to stop you. I ain't going to stop you. <laughs> but We Are Legion, We Are Bob is the winner, and that's the one we'll be talking about. Also, Rob, our moderator, our fantastic moderator, put together the stats page from heaven uh, about 
the the number of votes per round and which round had the most votes. And like this year was different because usually the first round has the most votes, but this year round three had the most votes. Uh, and this is the most participation we've had in the times that we've done this going back to 2016. Yay, that's awesome. Wow. Yeah, we um, the tournament statistics we had almost uh, over 4,700 total votes cast, um, which, you know, I mean, maybe I should have made more use of the messaging all of the members function of Goodreads. Oh, please. To- we had, th- you, did you not just hear me? We had the most votes we've ever had. Don't start criticizing yourself about I'm not criticizing. I just feel like I could have poked people to oh, be a little more active. Stop. Get in there. But this is, this Take is amazing. Take the win, Belmont. <laughs> I am already 60% of the way through We Are Legion, We Are Bob, by the way. I finished it today. <laughs> so good. It's really fun. It's, it's really right up fun. my alley, too. And yeah. I have to say, too, that my husband, Ryan, is reading it. And he started reading it before me based on someone else's recommendation. And so for this whole bracket thing, I was like, mm, kind of hope We Are Legion, We Are Bob wins. I don't think it's gonna, but it sure would be fun if like we could read a book together for like maybe the first time ever in our entire like 15 year relationship. So, <laughs> so that's kind of fun. Um, Can I say I was actually upset with that book after round one because I think the woman who thought she was a planet looks really cool and I wanted to read it. Uh, but We Are Legion, We Are Bob was the top seed and the woman who thought she was a planet only got one nomination so it was fair it was mm-hmm. fair pairing mm-hmm. uh but i was kind of i kind of held it against we are legion i was like you beat the book that i wanted to see do an upset well now i um, want to see the mashup between the woman who thought she was a planet and we are legion <laughs> we are bob because knowing what i know of the Bobiverse, i think that'd be a funny uh something funny would happen there yeah uh some people were expressing these are very serious people uh, we're expressing that they they didn't want We Are Legion, We Are Bob to win because they thought it sounded dumb uh, because of the, <laughs> the name, particularly the We Are Bob part. Listen, folks, if you like John Scalzi, if you like, uh, to a lesser extent, Ready Player One. Uh, if you like Douglas Adams. If you like Douglas Adams, I think, um, oh, what's, there's some other, some other good uh, comparisons for that. I, I think long way to a small angry planet. Becky chambers, mm-hmm. uh, is, is right there in tone with this book. Uh, you're going to like this. If you didn't like those books, if you're like, mm, it's uh, a little too light for me, Becky chambers. I, I didn't really dig it. Fine. Then you're probably not going to like this, but don't, don't not read it because it's called Bob. Like that totally makes sense. And it's hilarious to me. I named my iPod Bob back in the day. I don't know. It's just a thing. I get it. I'm with you. I see you, Dennis C. Taylor. Uh, <laughs> but the thing is, they are Bob, and and that will be that will make sense. And if you're making fun of the name, read the book. That's all I'll say. And you'll fall in love with the Bobs very quickly. Yeah. I promise you. And it's not as simplistic as it sounds. Uh, it's a fun romp, and I don't, there's you a know, lot of great action. The action sequences are great. There's a lot of great action. Uh, there's a lot of thought put behind the idea of someone being resurrected as an AI and what that would mean. And the copyability is not ignored as often as the case in AIs. Hence the name. We are Legion. Uh, you could probably put two and two together there. So I, I can't recommend it enough and I can't wait, wait to read the other two. Uh, I echo the sentiments of somebody in our, our Goodreads forum who said, I just wish that all three of the books in the Bobiverse trilogy were one book. 
uh, or or at least sold as one book, like the Annihilation mm. uh, mm-hmm. series is, uh, because you just want to go from one right to the other. Fair enough. All right. Well, let's uh, let's do a quick wrap up of an unkindness of ghosts uh, by River Solomon. Um, I listened to this on the audiobook, and as I mentioned, I I thought it was uh, phenomenal in audio. Um, I started reading it on Kindle and then switched over uh, via WhisperSync. Uh, but yeah, what were your what were your your last impressions on on the story? It was a great story. I like where it ended up. Uh, I I felt like I wanted to learn more about. Uh, what happens to her at the end, and we will be getting into spoilers now, so if you haven't read it, uh, bail out now. Mm -hmm. But I almost, if I had a criticism of the story, it's that I had to go back and rewind and listen to the part where she launches uh, from from the ship again because I felt like, whoa, whoa, she's at a planet? How did that happen, right? Because it does jump, I mean, and and rightfully so. It's not just going to sit there and be like, so she sat in the pod <laughs> and sat in the pod some more and sat in the pod. Oh, and now she's landing. Uh, but I was like, really? She got back to Earth, uh, the Lifehouse planet? The Lighthouse, yeah. Yeah, she she got back there that quick. Uh, and And... And what happens next? I, I need to know. Uh, and and that's the sign that you have built up a character that I I truly care about that I, that that I am invested in and want to see what happens to her next. That all that said, it's a complete story beginning to end, and it is not a story about oppression that is heavy handed, uh, more heavy handed than it needs to be. It's also not not apologizing. It's it's not hiding the scars. Uh, literally, so I, I think it was great, and and I think her relationships. What I what I absolutely adore about this is the relationships are not neat, uh, and and square pegs and round holes, uh, and vice versa. Like it, if you believe in uh, the fact that we are all different and none of us really have hard edges to our tastes and our relationships and our interactions with others, and if you've ever felt like. You know, I think that, but it's not okay for me to say that. Nobody else understands that. Read this book. It's really, really good. I really loved the, as you mentioned, the relationships in the book, um, especially between Aster and Theo, uh, the, the the surgeon, um, because not they... just. A... Sorry, go ahead. Would you like to say something? No, it's like it's not just Aster and Theo, but it's also kind of a love triangle, but not. And it's weird. Anyway, go ahead. Well, yes, there's uh, there's some interesting. I would say maybe a love quadrangle, mm. uh, perhaps in some ways, because the the lieutenant uh, definitely harbors like interesting feelings towards Theo, which we don't really have those explored, um, too much, but I think you can make inferences there. Uh, Giselle is, you know, Giselle and Aster love each other as sisters and as partners and as, you know, compatriots in this, in this, this experience and this story. Um, and of course, you know, that ends like, you know, horrifically just mm. for, for Giselle specifically, but for yeah. both of them, for everybody, um, and, and really kicks off the, the revolution that we, we don't get to kind of see the, the fallout from on, uh, from the Matilda's perspective. Uh, we only kind of see like what happens when Aster uses that moment to kind of make a break for it, uh, in the shuttle. Um, but then, yeah, there's Aster and Theo's relationship and, you know, Theo, I think one of my favorite parts in the book is, 
when Theo, oh gosh, I wish I could remember exactly what he says. But there's something they're they're working on the autopsy, I believe, of the the previous ruler of the Matilda. And she says, she says something like, oh, she says, like, do you think I'm your equal in terms of ability, like medical ability, like being able to understand what's going on? And he says very curtly, like, no, I don't think you're my equal. And for that instant, she's absolutely crushed because she was kind of like joking around and having fun with it. But he's so straightforward about the answer. And then he kind of stops and is like, you're far more brilliant than I am. And just like that moment just like really stuck with me because it was so. I don't know. It's almost like. I don't I don't know. I, I, I'm having a hard time putting it into words, but it, it felt very powerful and very like there was this mutual admiration and and love for for what they were doing, but also love for each other. And she kind of always saw him as being the, you know, the wonderkind, the 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 one that everybody on the ship looked up to, the special one, the chosen one. You know, he was he was not white like the the primary class, but like he was somehow still respected because he was part of the he he had these abilities and he was part of like still part of the ruling class somehow and fit in. And yet he saw her as being better than he was in so many ways and stronger than he was in so many ways. And I just thought that was really, it was, it was really a a really great moment. And it it stuck with me after reading the book. It's a great example of the complexity of these relationships. Uh, And I, and, and if you listen back or think back to what you just said, uh, how many times did you have to stop and say, well, he's kind of this, but he's kind of that. Well, Giselle had this kind of relationship, but it's also this kind of relationship. And Mm -hmm. I think that's because what river Solomon achieves here is capturing relationships that don't fit in boxes but are real. Mm-hmm. I I definitely I I can identify all these relationships whether I've had them myself or I've seen them in friends and they don't have labels. Giselle and Aster aren't just lovers, they aren't just sisters, they aren't just friends. Uh they're all those things and more. And 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 it it takes multiple words to try to box in the relationship of Aster and Theo, which also has love and admiration and friendship and respect. Uh, and and that is the thing that I was trying to express before. That I, I think your example helps me crystallize it, which is this: this book is about the reality of the way people feel and interact with each other, not the labels we use to to make that happen. And I know it still doesn't even really it doesn't matter like where they came from and when they came from, but that's still like I just want to know like how they got to where they are. Because they obviously they left Earth or an Earth-like planet, but probably Earth at some point. And they went on some mission to find a new home. We don't know why, really, as, as far as I can tell. And Yeah, and, there's just sort of a vague, like, the resources were used yeah. up. It was unlivable. We don't know if it was a war or a climate or what. Yeah, And why it came back to or continued this, like this society that so mirrored like the antebellum South of the United States and, you know, taking, taking those, those racist traditions and those, that kind of, that society with them. Like I wanted to know more about that too, but that didn't really matter. It just mattered that it was happening. Um, 
and it was it was it was you know it it, it was a very difficult thing to read sometimes i mean it, it's it's there's it was horrific um but it was that it, it i don't know i'm not going to do it justice even trying to explain it right now but you know it was it was painful for to 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 read and to think about and 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 justly so the the painful parts were painful and and i think this is important to say and i know it sounds a little pedantic but we had so many people saying i don't know this book seems too hard uh it's not the the painful parts are painful and they should be because she's trying to talk about a real thing that happens, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. real prejudice, real abuse, uh, and you don't want to shy away from that. But the book isn't mostly that. The book is mostly not that. And the book has these great relationships that we've been talking about. And it has this great lore that Veronica was just talking about. Like, how did this ship happen? How did it turn into a religious theocracy? Was it always like that? Did it develop over time? Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's even mini lore just with Aster's mother and the clues she left and the way she hid the the situation. There's this whole mystery aspect to it of like deciphering these clues that that her mom left and what did it mean and how how does she track it down to this abandoned area of the ship where there are shuttles and you're like, oh, this is a ship. This is a sci-fi story. Uh, it's just so masterfully done the way it is so many different kinds of books. It is definitely a science fiction book, but it's so much more. And I, I also kind of loved at the end how even though it's horrible to read, like Giselle basically like going scorched earth on Aster's, you know, library. What does she call it? She doesn't, her botanarium. Oh, the, yeah. The botanarium. Right. Um, so she's, she burns down the botanarium and that's like Aster's whole universe, but it mirrors what must've happened to the people who had to get on that ship in the first place. Cause Aster mm. now no longer has any reason to stay really. And so now she's she's free and motivated to to take the next step and just leave everything behind. And even though, you know, Giselle's gone, Theo's still there, but she has that moment with him where he's like, I'll find you. Mm-hmm. And so she can at the very least hold on to that hope that there's still that connection there. But he has released her to to. I mean, she probably would have done it anyway, but, you know, there's that comfort in, in feeling like, okay, I have the support of someone who loves me to like take this step and, and figure out what's going on and take this journey and go on to the unknown, which is exactly what they must have done 300, 200 years ago when they left on the generation ship. Yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> the idea of a generation ship where, uh, slowly over time, uh, because of malfunctions, a theocracy evolved is a story very close to my heart. River Solomon does it the best. I would like to learn more about that, but maybe that's a podcast for another day. Oh, no. I mean, I'm just talking about my own crappy attempt at telling that same kind of story. That's oh. <laughs> I was like, is there like a life backstory about Tom that I don't know about? <laughs> I came here on a generation ship. It's about time I admitted it. Um, yeah, that's so I, I thought this was a, a wonderful read. And I'm I'm really glad that that uh Rivers wrote it. And I think it it resonated with a lot of people. And I it was one of my favorite audiobooks that I've listened to in a in a really long time. So so kudos for that. Um and I hope you guys stuck with it. You know, sometimes 
books are hard and sometimes books are true. And sometimes not everything is escapism in the way maybe we like it to be. And it's it's more rooted in, in reality and, and what's happening in our world even now. And so I think it was it was an important thing to read. And then you get to read uh, We Are Legion, We Are Bob. Then you get to hang out with Bob, who's <laughs> also on his own way in a generation ship, kind of. Yeah. Kind, kind of. He's he he is a generation. You of guys Bob. are gonna yeah, Bob. You guys are gonna really like relate a lot to the first chapter, I think, and then everything after that you won't be able to relate to at all, but you'll still appreciate. Well, don't say that. People are gonna think like, well, oh, okay, it's unrelatable. No, okay, <laughs> that's not true. Well, I mean, unless you're a super intelligent AI, I don't know how necessarily you would relate to it on a one to one ratio. But I feel no, like I don't know. Maybe as far as an AI can be relatable, he's pretty relatable. That's true. That's yeah, true. Yeah, I know, I know what you're trying to say. If I can be an AI with a cat, I'd do that. I would do that thing. Uh, we've given too much away already. You're going to love this book. It's really fun. Um, and and uh, also check out Soulless by Gail Carriger, which is one of my personal favorites of all time. Uh, all the Parasol Protectorate books are near and dear to my heart, and I love Gail very, very sincerely. Um, so I hope if you have the chance to pick up both that you will do so and join us in the discussions over on Goodreads. I think that wraps up this episode, Tom. We had a lot of stuff in the show. Yeah. Uh, thanks to everybody uh, for supporting us. Yes, our show is currently entirely funded by our patrons. So thank you so much to the folks who back our show. And if you want to help out, you can head over to patreon.com slash sword and laser. If you're at the random mail level, one of you got a laser keychain. One <gasps> of you got a sword keychain. Others of you have had books just mysteriously show up in your mailbox. You don't know when, you don't know what, but if you give us your mailing address and you back us at that level, you'll get stuff. You can also support the show by buying books through our links. You can find links to the books we talk about and some of our favorites at swordandlaser.com slash picks. Send us an email at feedback at swordandlaser.com. Our website, as always, is swordandlaser.com. All of our discussions happen over on the fantastic goodreads.com slash swordandlaser. And you can, in fact, call and leave us a voicemail at 415-7-SWORD-6. What'd you say? I said, can you? You can't. You can't. It still technically works. All right. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there.